Today, I want to continue our series, Faith Over Fear. Faith Over Fear. And, you know, there are so many phobias in the world. There's actually a website, you know, you can probably find it, but there's websites you can, you can search for phobias. In fact, um, one, one website lists over 500 human fears that people actually experience. In fact, it's estimated that there are about 50 million people in the United States who actually suffer from some type of phobia in their lifetime. And now, I was looking at some of these types of fears, and I got a list. We got that list up, and uh, I found some very interesting ones, some that you might know or be somewhat familiar with. Others, you're like, what in the world is that? And I'm going to help you out here, so you're going to learn something today. Claustrophobia, that's the first one, and, uh, and that's the fear of confined spaces, the fear of confi confined spaces. I have a little bit of this, and, um, but not, not too bad, okay? Claustrophobia, all right? Here's the second one, it's the, dental, it's the word dentophobia, and um, you probably can figure that one out. This is the fear of dentists. There you go, dentists, all right? And, um, and so some people, they have the fear of dentists. And then the next one is pent pentherophobia. Pentherophobia. And this is of your mother-in-law. <laughs> That's right. That's a real fear. Real, real fear. Here's another one. It's the word homophobia. Homophobia. And, and I took a class in my Bible class, in, in, my, in my Bible college, called homiletics. It's the uh, it, uh, art of sermon writing. So this is the word, it's a, this is the fear of sermons. All right? So some of you are scared. You're looking at me right now. I see the white in your eyes, you know. You're scared. Oh, no, it's the sermon coming on. And uh, that's what homophobia means. Uh, the next word, I'm going to have a hard time saying it, but uh, it's, I'm going to try, try my best. It's arachotyrophobia. There we go. All right? I don't know if I said it right, but that's close enough. It's not the fear of spiders. That's what the first thing you might see. But this is the fear. Let me say the whole thing. It's the fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth. <laughs> and the last but not least, it's a lupo-slipophobia, lupo-slipophobia, and uh, this is the fear of being pursued by timberwolves. It's the fear of being pursued by timberwolves around a kitchen table while wearing socks on a freshly whacked floor. You're like, what the what the what? And uh, do a little research. That was actually a phobia that Gary Larson made up in the Far Side comment. Remember the Far Side comment strip? All right, and so it's one of those little comments. And so I don't think that's a real fear, okay? So it's a little uh, comedy from Gary Larson. Well, there's no question, by the way, that the fear is real. It's absolutely real. The Bible is not silent on the subject of fear. We've heard this verse before in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God... He's not giving us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. And the, the word fear in this passage 
the word fear in this verse, it comes from the Greek word phobia. If you were to look at the, in the Greek Bible verse, the Greek Bible, you would see the word phobia in this verse, and it means running scared. Running scared, that's the type of fear you're talking about. Not talking about a healthy fear. You're talking about is a fear that you've lost your mind. You've lost your mind over it. In fact, this is the only place in the New Testament where we see this word fear, phobia fear, found in the Bible, in the New Testament. And so in this series, we're talking about that, no, we're learning that God wants us to replace our fear with faith. He's not giving us, God has not given us a spirit of, of fear. And so we're going to be talking about, you know, last week we kind of gave a, a foundation. In the next few weeks, I want to kind of talk about some of the most common fears, you know, the fear of death, the fear of the future. Uh, and today I want to talk about the fear of failure, the fear of failure. And I want to talk about how we can address it and how we can overcome the fear of failure. Now, if you are a golfer, how many golfers are in the house? Raise your hand. We got some golfers, okay? Uh, if you're golfing uh, right now and you're watching the sermon on Facebook Live, hey, give me a thumbs up too, and more um, power to you. You're multitasking today, golfing and watching the sermon at the same time. And, um, and, and if you're a golfer, you might be able to relate to what I'm talking about here. Um, I got my golf clubs here. Actually, I got my driver, and uh, I call it my Bid Bertha. And I, I like Bid Bertha. It's actually the name of the golf club, okay? It's Bid Bertha. It says right here. And, um, and I figured if I got the, the club head with the biggest head, I might get a chance to hit the ball. And so that's kind of why I got Bid Bertha here. And, um, and so there's, there's something about hole number one that you have to fear failure, especially if, you know, when it's time for your time, you know, your tea time, it, it's caught up, and there's about 25 to 30 better golfers watching you tee up. There is nothing like to fear failure. And, 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 and for me, I'm not that great of a golfer. I'm a hacker, all right? That's what I am. I'm a hacker. I like to, you know, just have fun. I, you know, the goal of my game is not so much the, the score, you know, and how many times I least hit the ball. The, the object of my game is how many times did I lose the ball, okay? That, that's important to me. That's the metric that matters because I'm cheap, okay, and I don't want to lose any golf balls, all right? It's a good day if I, don't, if I only lose two golf balls in the 18, you know, holes of game. And so um, it's just something about stepping up. And there's a crowd behind you. I, I remember in Florida, I, I was invited to play um, golf with a friend, and he's good. This guy was good. He says, Scott, why don't you come play? It's, it's on my dime, okay? I'm going to take you out and, and go golfing. I said, that's great, you know. And I'm thinking of, you know, the cheap course. That's what I belonged, the cheap course. Uh, he said, we're going to go play at a golf course called the Moors. Now, the Moors, it's the, it's the location of the annual senior PGA tournament. I mean, in other words, this is a nice golf course. Uh, if the PGA and the senior tour are using this golf course, I should not be on this, on this hole. I should not be on it. But 
you know, I got invited. It was free. I get my tea time. We get up there, and sure enough, there were about 25, 30 men and ladies behind me watching me tee up, and, and the fear of failure just overwhelmed me. I said, oh, man, I am going to, I am going to mess up. I'm going to fail. It's going to be awful. And I almost got to the place. and said, you know what? Let me just skip the first hole. No, let me just start on hole number two. That way no one's watching me. Anyone with me on this? Does this happen to you? Okay, this is all going in my mind here. And I'm just not that great. Especially on a nice golf course with real good golf players. And so my partner said, hey, Scott, it's okay. It'll be fine. Don't worry about them. Just tune them out. I said, okay. I get up there and I got my golf club, right? And... um, and I hit the ball. I, I swing and I hit the ball. And the ball, I topped it. If you know what I'm talking about, I topped it. You know, it's not going up. It, it's going down. It's a ground ball, okay? Uh, it, 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 it's not good. Uh, the only thing I had going for me was they were going straight. I said, okay, it might not go far, but it's going to go straight. And, um, but however, there's a tee box in front of me. And every tee box, they have some type of post. You know, that, you know, to tell you where to stand between. It's too like maybe a, a pole. You know, in this case, it was a globe, a little globe about the size of a, you know, bowling ball on both sides of the net tee ball. It's only about 30 yards ahead of me. And, and, and mind me, I got 99.9% air in front of me. The only thing that stands in the way of my golf game is those two globes. So I hit the ball, and I went right smack into that globe, 30 yards in front of me. And that golf ball came right back at me. I had to duck. <laughs> it went 30 yards behind me, almost hit the, the good golf player behind me, and it was bad. I was like, oh, man. You know, and at this point, I'm like, you know what? I, you got my money. You know, I'm just going to leave. This is embarrassing. I walked back, and... You know, I'm like, you know, do I even play from back here? It's even worse, you know. So I have to pick it up. And I, I have to, you know what, I'm just going to take a drop halfway down the fairway. There's something about the fear of failure. Every time I got the golf, uh, golf club, the driver on hole number one, David Ledbetter, he's a golf pro. And he talked about this idea of a lot of golfers. They, they come to the to the. You know, they come to the, uh, to the tee box, and they got their club in their hand, and they start to think. In fact, they start to overthink. Am I in the right spot? Is my feet to be back here? Should it be over here? Should it be over here? You know, do, do I have the right club? You know, am I, am I compensating the wind just enough? You know, what, what if I mess up? What if this thing, you know, goes into the water and take a drink? You know, what, what are we, we over? think, and he used a term, David Ledbetter used a term, and that term is paralysis through analysis. Paralysis through analysis, and we over, we over, and we overthink. Paralysis through analysis. What David Ledbetter is saying is that you step up to, if you step up to the ball with any fear of failure in your mind, you're going to hit a bad shot. If you come up to the ball with any crazy feeling, you start to overthink, most likely 
you're going to hit a bad, bad shot. And sometimes in our life, we tend to do the same thing. We overthink, we overanalyze, that we get to the point that we're afraid of failures, that we freeze up and we paralyze, paralyze through analytical thinking. We overthink. We overthink. I'm going to state the obvious. It's very important that I say this. It's on your handout note because I want you to know this. Everyone fears failure. Every one of us. We fear failure. At one point in our life, we have done it. But the good news is that God has not given you and I a spirit of fear, and he will help us, he will help me overcome the fear of failure. And as we talk about the idea of the fear of failure, let's start with the idea. Let's start with understanding the basic thought. And if you're taking notes, here it is. Given into the fear of failure can cost us more than most of us realize. And I'm going to come back to that in a little bit. I'm going to say it in a different way later. But this is so important. When we give in to the fear of failure, it will cost you and me so much more than most of us realize. Jesus told a parable and it helped illustrate the cost of the fear of failure. You know this story. If you studied the Word of God, if you read the Word of God, you attended church before, you know what I'm talking about with the story. He told a story, Jesus did, about a guy, about a man who was about to go on a business trip and he sees the three servants and said, listen, I'm going to be gone for a while and I'm going to give you guys some talents. And he gives one guy five talents, he gives another guy two talents, and the third guy, he gave them one talent. And he said, hey, take care of business. When I come back, you know, do something with the talent that I give you. And so the first two guys, evidently, they, they took some risk. They overcome the fear of failure, and they doubled up their investment. The third guy, he was afraid of failure. And like many of us, he was paralyzed with fear, you know, paralysis through analysis. He started to overthink instead of taking a faith risk. Uh, he played it safe. And we do that too, just like many of us. We play it safe. He thought, you know, if I, if I go too crazy, I might lose it. You know, what if I just play it safe? We start to overanalyze. Maybe we're trying to read the stock market and, and we're getting into it. And you know what? It's better if I just play it safe and do nothing. So he buried the talent, and the master came back. And here's how the story goes in verse 24 of Matthew chapter 25. The man who had received one bag of gold came um, you know, he said, Master, I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. I was afraid of failing. I was afraid I might let you down. I was afraid that I might not succeed. So I was afraid. He said, I was afraid, and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. And you can almost hear the sense of pride as he says this. He says, see, Master, here is what belonged to you. I, I can almost see him say it with a smile. And say, hey, I played it safe. You know, I didn't lose it. You know, I still have what you gave me to start with. Here's what belonged to you. And you would think that the master might say, hey, good job. You did good. You played it safe. I'm glad you didn't risk anything. But quite the opposite. He said in verse number 26, the master said, you're wicked 
a lazy servant, in verse number 28, he said, take the bag of gold from him and, and give it to the guy who had 10 bags. The fear of failure paralyzed this man. And that which he guarded, he ended up losing in the end. It cost him more than he realized. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but instead of power and sound mind, paralysis through analysis. What is it for you this morning? I know some people that deep down in your heart, God has been giving you a vision, a dream, maybe to start a business. But you're afraid. You're afraid. You say, what if the finances doesn't come through? What if it doesn't work out? What if I failed? The paralysis through analysis. You go nowhere. You're stuck. You hesitate. Some of you, one of your greatest desires is to share the love of God and the intimacy of a covenant marriage and You've been burned in the past, and you're afraid to, to pursue that. You're afraid to be burned again. You're afraid to trust people again. You're afraid that they're going to mess you up again in the end, just like maybe last time. And you say, man, it's too dangerous. I don't want to try. I don't want to get hurt. Paralysis through analysis. Some of you I know, maybe some moms, maybe some dads, you know, God has been calling you. Hey, homeschool your kid just falls. And you're like, maybe that's what God is calling you. And you're like, I don't know. What if I mess up? What if I don't know what I'm doing? What if I don't, you know, my kids, you know, learn from me? What if I blow it? Paralysis through analysis. Some of you know God calling you, God calling you to the biblical, to the biblical tithe, the 10% given. When you worship God in a generous way, returning God to 10%, and you say, no, I'm afraid if I do that, th things won't work out for me, that, you know, I'll be tight. And you start to overthink, and it's paralysis through analysis. You know what you need to do, but you're afraid of failure. Men, some of you, God is calling you to be the spiritual leader of your family, but you hesitate. What if I don't do enough of it? What if I do it wrong? What if I don't... No, the answer, what if I pray wrong? What if I, what if I teach the wrong thing? What if it doesn't work out? What if it doesn't work out? Paralysis through analysis, and we do nothing. Fear failure. And every one of us, we fear failure, but God has not given us the spirit of fear. Now today, I believe that God's going to speak to you and me three biblical principles that will empower you to overcome the fear of failure. If you're taking notes, if you're taking notes, here's the first thought. Are you ready for this? Encouraging thought number one. Ready? Number one, you will fail. <laughs> All right. We just got to get that out of the way. You will fail. Unless you're Jesus Christ or you don't try anything, you will fail. Don't fear it. In fact, embrace the failing. Embrace it as a part of a process of growth in your life. History books, they're filled with biographies of failures who failed, got up, kept going, and eventually made good on their life. I think of George Washington. Do you realize that President George Washington lost two-thirds of all the battles that he fought in the, in the American Revolution War? He lost two-thirds of the battle, but eventually he won the war and became the first president of the United States. Napoleon. We all know Napoleon. 
He graduated 42nd in a class of 43 students. Yet he went out and conquered all of Europe. Napoleon. Mickey Mantle, famous Hall of Fame star from the New York Yankees, took his team to the World Series seven times, hit over 500 home runs, yet he struck out two-thirds of the time. He failed many times. Embrace the fact that you and I will fail. We will fail. James chapter 3, verse number 2, we all stumble. We all stumble in many ways. We will all fail. Now, unless you never try anything, if you don't try anything, unless you do that, then get ready for it. You are going, I'm going to fail. But the next few words are important. We need to embrace this thought. When you do fail, allow yourself to feel the disappointment but not disapproval. So important. Feel the disappointment, but don't feel the disapproval. When you fail, allow yourself to feel the disappointment, but not disapproval, because God still loves you. He still loves you. Just because you failed at something doesn't mean that you're a failure. Just because you failed financially and you had to go bankrupt. Maybe you've had to do that before. It doesn't mean that you're a failure. Just because you had a relationship gone sour and it failed, it doesn't mean that you're a failure. You've heard it before, it's in your notes, that failure, failure is not a person. I'm sorry, failure is not an event, never a person. It's never a person. It's an event. And I'm going to argue, not only will you fail, but there are times, there are times when God will allow you to fail. It's part of our parenting. You know, Karen and I said, you know, sometimes we have to let our kids fail. It's a, and as parents, you know, we don't want our kids to fail. You know, and so what we do, we try to, you know, do everything we can to prevent them from failing. And what happens? Your kids never learn. Sometimes the best lesson to learn is through failure. And, and, and God, he does that to us. He does that to us. In fact, we talked about Peter last week. Peter, he's known for great success. But he's also known for a great failure. He denied Christ three times. He told God, he told Jesus, hey, I've got your back. Hey, if they got to get to you, they got to go through me first. Jesus, I'm with you all the way. Jesus said, hey, you're going to deny me three times by the next morning. When you hear the rooster crow in the morning, you would have denied me three times. So Peter's like, yeah, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm, I'm with you, Jesus. And sure enough, he failed, not once, not twice, but three times. But by the end of it, he failed big time. But what did Jesus do? Jesus, the risen Christ, loved him through his failure. And I can guarantee you this. What Peter saw as a huge setback. God saw it as a huge shut-up for what he wanted to do through his life. I don't know what, man, this, this church is too silent. That's good preaching right there. I mean, that's good. Hey, what Peter saw as a huge setback, God saw as a huge setup for what he wanted to do. What's that better? Amen. All right, all right, there we go. I got a couple of emails. All right. Amen. You can say amen every now and then. If you can say amen, I got to hear you, okay? All right, good, good. You see, God first did something in Peter 
before he did something through Peter. He had to do something in him. And Peter, the guy who failed, was the guy who preached the great sermon on the day of Pentecost that we talked about a few weeks ago, and 3,000 people came to know Christ and the birth of the church. God used Peter. Just because you fail at something doesn't mean that you're a failure. You will fail. It's a part of growing towards success. Romans 5, verse 3. Not only so, but we also glory in our suffering. In other words, we can rejoice when we run into problems. Why? Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Every single area of success that I have in my life follows on the tail end of a failure. And I learned something through it. And God taught me something through those failures to lead me to his perfect plan, his perfect will of success. So, we will fail. You will fail. Embrace it. And see that God is doing something in your life. Here's the second one. It's a little bit more encouraging, okay? <laughs> you will overcome. Number two, you will overcome. By the power of God in your life, you can overcome. Proverbs 24, verse 16. Though the righteous fall. How many times? Seven times. Though the righteous fall seven times, he falls. He bat, boom, crash, however you want to call it. He fails. He falls seven times. But then he gets back up again. He rises again. He rises again. So what happens when we get knocked down? What we do? What we do? We stand back up. We rise up. We overcome. When we fall, we get back up. Let's, let's redefine failure if you're taking note. Failure it's the price that I pay on the road to God's success. It's the price that I pay on the road to God's success. Some of you, uh, you know, some of you might remember uh, back in the 1950s, if, you're, if, you're, if you were around in the 1950s, you might remember a very famous car. Actually, um, it wasn't that great of a car. But the, the Ford Motor Company decided to produce what they thought was going to be the best car they've ever made. a car, the Ford Edsel. I got a picture of it. The Ford Edsel. And they put it out like in 1956. They spent $250 million. That's a lot of money, especially in the 1950s. They spent over $250 million. And this car, they were thinking this was going to be the best car ever. After three years, it was the biggest failure, the biggest failure of the Ford Motor Company. It was so bad. People were making jokes about this car. I mean, they called it, one person called it the biggest boondoggles of all time. A Ford Motor Company, they had blown it. And, and they were laughed off with this car. But Ford Motor Company learned something. They came back to the drawing board, the same engineer. They look at the technology, and they revamp it, and we tweak it. And they came out with another car in the late 1950s, early 1960s. It became one of the best cars of all time. And you see the next picture, the Ford Mustang. The success came on the tail, tail end of the failures of the Ford Essel. The one great redeeming factor of failure is this, is that when you fail, God gives you the chance to learn something you would have never learned any other way. 
Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. It says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Don't give up. Don't quit. What might look like a setback might be a huge setup for what God is trying to do in your life. So don't give up. It doesn't matter if you're taking notes. It doesn't matter what happens to you. It matters what happens in you. God may be doing something in you to prepare you for what he's trying to do in your life. So thought number one, you fail. Thought number two, you can overcome. And number three, don't miss this. In order to please God, you must take faith risks. You must take faith risks. You cannot please God without taking faith risks. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 6, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, without stepping out of our comfort zone into the land of faith, it is completely and absolutely impossible to please him. In fact, if you're taking note, you cannot play it safe and please God. You cannot play it safe and please God. You cannot bury your talent, your gold, and please God. You cannot play it safe and please him. Now, last week, we, we, we talked about Peter again, getting out of the boat and walking on the water. Remember that? And some people say that Peter failed when he did that. And I've heard preachers after preachers that rip on Peter. Poor Peter. And I mentioned it last week. I want to say it again. He got out of the boat. You know who failed? It's 11 guys that Stayed in the boat. I'm sure when Peter would think, you know, when Peter got the, the command from Jesus to come, I'm sure Peter, oh, okay. Now, Peter doesn't think. You know, when you read Peter, Peter oftentimes, you know, he, he never think. He, he was kind of like an overachiever, okay? That, uh, but the other guys, I'm like, Peter, are you sure you want to do that? And said, oh, yeah, you should come. You know, I'm going to go out there. And I said, are you sure? What if you fall? Said, oh, I'm going. He went. Now, I'm sure the other disciples were like, uh, should we do this? Or, I don't know. You know, I, he got lucky. <laughs> you know, he just, he, just got, he just got a little lucky. We'll, we'll probably fail. We'll probably sink. And for some of you, you let failure overtake you. And it will cost you more than you can ever imagine. Just like I said in the beginning. You know what that price is, the greatest price that you pay? you're taking notes, that you will pay a life of regrets. You'll look back and say, what if? You'll live back in the if. You'll live in the land of if. And I pray that you never want to wake up and say, what should have been, what could have been, what would have been if I wasn't afraid to try. Acts chapter 5, back to Peter. He's preaching. Man, he's on a He's on a holy roll here. I mean, he's preaching. The church is growing. And people, people and the religious leaders hated him. They didn't like him because people were coming to Jesus left and right. And so Peter, he's preaching. They get him arrested. They beat him up and throw him in jail. They tell him to stop. They let him go. He goes back and keeps preaching. They beat him up. They throw him in jail and they tell him to stop. He wouldn't stop. 
and the Sanhedrins and some of the religious leaders said, man, what we got to do to stop this man and his friend from, from preaching the gospel? And a very wise Pharisee named Gamaliel, he stepped up and he gave this speech. He said in Acts chapter 5, verse 38, he said, in this present case, I'm going to give you some advice. He said, leave these men alone. Just let them go. Let Peter go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it's going to fail. It's not going to make it. But if it is from God, then you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourself fighting against God. My friend, and challenge you to take a step of faith and get out of the boat, believe God, and, and to take a risk, take a faith risk. If it's your own idea, you're going to think. But if it's a God idea, God will carry you through and you will overcome. And no person will ever be able to stop you. If you have kids, you know what I'm talking about. Especially when they're that one-year-old, two-year-old, three-year-old. And how many times you men will set your child on the top dresser and they're barely standing there. And you say, jump. And that little one-year-old, two-year-old, three-year-old, they got the biggest smile. They're not thinking about, what if daddy dropped me? They just, Jump. They're fearless. And my friend, some of you God is calling you to jump. He said, stop being paralyzed. Paralysis through analysis. Stop overthinking it. Trust me. Take a risk, a faith risk. I'm calling you to jump. 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 It's time for some of you to leap into the land of faith and know and believe with all of your heart that God is in on this, that there's no power that could ever stop his perfect will. And here's my last question. It's on your handout notes. And here's the question. What faith risk is God calling you to take that you cannot play it safe and please God? What is it that God calling you to do this week? What is God calling you this month? What is it God is calling you in this season? What faith risk is he calling you to take? And I pray that you take a step of faith and jump and overcome the fear of failure. Don't be afraid of failures. Be afraid of not doing anything. It's a trust God and he will carry you through. You got your connection card. Maybe for some of you today, your next step is to take a faith risk. Take faith risk and be not afraid of failure. Maybe for some of you, you memorize 2 Timothy 1 7 and God, you have not given me a spirit of fear. Help me not to have the spirit of fear, but you have given me a power of love and a sound mind. Help me to overcome this. And maybe that's the verse you need to memorize during that moment of fear. You have a verse that's reminding you, God, you have not given me this the spirit of phobia where I need to be running scared and out of my mind. God, help me to, to overcome it. 
your love. Help me to do what you want me to do. Our Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that we have a, that we serve a God who tells us to jump and challenge us to take steps of faith. God, there are some of us here we're, we're paralyzed. We overthink, we overanalyze. And in, in the process of overthinking, we allow that fear to build up and it causes us to freeze up and do nothing for you. And so, God, I pray you help us to take a faith risk, whatever that might be whatever you're doing in our heart. Maybe, God, there's someone here this morning that needs to take a faith risk and give their heart to you and to trust their life with you. Maybe today they need to surrender their life and say, here I am, Jesus. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. If that's you this morning, you say, man, God, I don't know Jesus. I came to church today just trying to figure it out. Today, I want to take a step of faith. And I want to take a big step of faith in the one who can't, in the one who holds the keys. And I want to follow after him. The Bible says all we have to do is cry out to him. You can pray a prayer just where you're at. A prayer like this. It says, Dear Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. I'm taking a step of faith that you will carry me through that you will forgive me of all my sins. And God, I've got some sins in my life that I'm embarrassed to tell about. But you know, you know what they are, God. You forgive me of my past sin. You forgive me my sins today. You forgive me my future sins coming to my life. And I want you to be my Lord. I want you, God, to be my Savior. Thank you for dying on the cross. And if you're here this morning, you pray that prayer. He says, God, I took a faith step today. I asked Jesus to come to my life to be my Lord. If that's you, can I just celebrate with you? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you stand on the chair. But if that's you, can you just raise your hand? So I pray that prayer. I asked Jesus to come in my heart. Is there anybody in this room at all? I see one hand. I see one hand. Anybody else? God, we thank you for those who took a step of faith and a new relationship with you. We thank you, God, for those who have been challenged or on the fence on a decision that they know they need to make. I pray that this week that they will take a faith risk and step out and trust you and not allow the fear of failure to hold them back to doing what you want them to do in your life. In Jesus' name, amen.